The Incomparable Number 190 April 2014 Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We have joined together here to be a little more current. You know, in a recent episode, we talked about a movie that came out in the early 80s. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to talk about a movie that came out last week as we record this. It's Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And with our snap judgments, well, with a week to consider what we think of this movie, we thought we would talk about it and uh, be a little current for once. So those of you in 2016 who were saying, but this movie came out a long time ago, why are they talking as if it's current? It was new to us. Joining me to talk about The Winter Soldier are... A, uh, it's a stellar panel. Uh, Tony Sindelar, I'm going to introduce you first. How about that? That's really weird. Hello. Hello. Dan Morin, I always introduce you. Hello. You're just working your way down the list. I see how it is. Yeah. Hi. That's that's it. Or up. I don't know. Sorry, Tony. Oh, no. Moises Chuyan is here. Hello. In Winter Soldier, America captains you, huh? If uh, you had the over-under at one minute for Moises doing a voice, you pick the under and you won. Good job. Um, a returning panelist for the first return. <laughs> he, he, one guy didn't like it when he talked about Iron Man, and you know what I say to that? I invite him back to talk about another Marvel movie. It's Guy English. Hi, Guy. Hey, happy to be here. That's right. So take it, that guy who didn't like you that time you were on talking about a Marvel I, movie. I like, I like this guy way better than that I guy. I like this guy better yes. than that guy. That guy doesn't know Guy. And I believe his first visit to The Incomparable. Am I right? Rene Ritchie? Hail Hydra, Jason, indeed. <laughs> yeah, well done. I think Canada may just be Hydra. That's my theory. You and Guy are going to get us. Plotting. We're hiding in our politeness. Marvel uh, Phase Two, I guess. This is the this is our uh, second Marvel movie. I I haven't seen. I'm going to make a confession here. I still haven't seen Thor Two, so I don't know what the hell happens in that one. But um, there's I, a lot of havoc. Reaped. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there is, and a lot of thighs there's, and very. There's a there's a whole there's a whole you, uh, lot of portal in there. I can't believe you aren't up to date. That makes me so Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had to. wow. <laughs> Any anyway, uh, but here we are. Avengers. Uh, Avengers is, is is come and gone, and we get another post Avengers movie like Iron Man, like Thor two. It's uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh, interesting decisions they had to make for this movie because, of course, the original Captain America is uh, spent spent mostly during World War two, and uh, coming into this movie, what do you do? When when you're you're telling a modern day story of Steve Rogers and you know I I thought for a long time they were going to do one of those like fade you know back and forth in times so they could do a lot of, of of period stuff and they didn't this is this is um this is a thoroughly modern story and it's kind of like Captain America and the Adventures of Shield um, because there's so much Shield in here there's a black there's Black Widow there's Nick Fury. Um, lot, lots of shield stuff. So I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know. People are making Thor puns in the chat room, by the way. That's really nice. Uh, it has to be done. Uh, so let, let's get started. What, what do we think of, um, the original Captain America? I should, I should start there. I thought it was really good and I liked that it was, uh, it was a World War II movie and this was a very different um, the very different tone. This was a super seventies conspiracy movie, I think. Well, we had the first one, which was Joe Johnston, who also directed the Rocketeer. The Rocketeer Great and, call, you yeah. Know, yeah, and so I mean, I think they picked the perfect person for that job. If if you know Steven Spielberg wasn't going to sit down and do another uh, <laughs> action adventure World War Two movie, which he's pretty much said he won't. Um, so you know, I I thought it was really cool, and I I liked the idea of switching gears because especially when you have a character like Captain America, who is such a patriotic figure, um, it's so much more interesting to bring him into the modern era where things are not as black and white as they are in World War II, right? In World War II, we all knew who the bad guys were. Hydra, clearly. Mm. Um, you know, and in the modern day, things are not so cut and dried. Um, and so it's interesting to see, you know, how Steve Rogers as a character deals with the fact that, and, and even in World War II, he is like the most 
clean cut. Like he's the white hat, yeah. right? Like he is the most clean cut Swearest of clean cut of jaws. guys. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's what makes him so perfect for that. You know, like for the whole super soldier project is that he is the he is the weak man who knows the value of strength, right? So you know, putting him in a modern day where he has to contend with the fact that the the battle lines are not as clearly drawn and America does not have quite as untarnished an image. Um, it makes it a more interesting character, I think, and that that really fuels a lot of the story for me. Uh, well, the the thing that I would throw in is um, I, I got to find this uh, this link that made me want to burn the internet down. Uh, this this guy, you know, alleging that well, Captain America is only interesting when he's a jerk, um, which I think misses the point of why you tell a Captain America story. Um, and I do I I'm I'm going to say this right now, and I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to be so mad if this derails into a Man of Steel conversation. Um, but characterization is very important with these uh, these iconic characters because they are built around iconography. And when that doesn't quite jive, you're telling a different story. Um, and it's uh, for me, it's it's the cheapest kind of a cop out where. We see everything is getting dark and super emo and super gritty and gravelly and like you're gargling razor blades with these superheroes. Um, and I like that we get to we get to we get to, to balance the you know the man out of time, the good-hearted white hat man dealing with the the moral quandaries of the modern world, which is what we you know what comes from the original comics, but that. I, I feel like they they put a nice fine polish to it. Um, you know, the best elements from the original Winter Soldier story are in here, um, but they don't go too far overcorrecting in either direction. Either the you know the the paragon of virtue or the uh, world full of moral conflict. Um, you know, we we get we get enough of both ingredients that it it feels balanced. It doesn't feel out of character. It still jives with the first movie, though I would I would say that um, there's a, there's a character relationship between Steve Rogers and a particular character that I wish they had established more firmly, more indelibly in the first movie, especially with what this movie is and what it represents. I don't know if we're if we're in spoiler horn Let, territory. Or yes, whatever. we should say we are firing off the spoiler horn. You should not listen to this podcast if you have not seen this movie. What is wrong with you? <laughs> So to to uh, very plainly state what I was alluding to, I really wish if if there is one big thing that I, I wish I could you know go back and tweak from the first movie, I really wish that we had gotten a stronger, more indelible um, kind of touchstone to the relationship between Cap and Bucky, where there there was some interplay, but it, it you know when when we in this movie flash back to pre Winter Soldier Bucky, there. It's 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 almost like oh oh wait yeah this guy was in the first movie that's right mm-hmm. um, that that they didn't they didn't signpost it quite well enough the to shorthand me. to get to the end with uh, with him in the present day in Captain America means that we we miss there's like a montage of like and then they had many exciting adventures <laughs> and instead of it being yeah. like uh, we really get to know Bucky's there from the beginning it's not written as if M- Bucky's gonna come back right that's basically what it is is the first movie's not really written with the wow we got really got to pay this off later even though they might have had an inkling that that was going to be what was going to happen and it's all i think because they had to compress their you know many exciting adventures in world war ii but let's get to the end now yeah i mean what what were they going to do other than winter soldier jump straight to death of captain america that doesn't make any sense um you know it feels like they 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 knew that this was going to be the next logical step if the first one did well enough if there was going to be a sequel that this was going to be the next story that they were going to do and and i feel like they they had to know that because i i don't yeah. see what else they laid know. the groundwork for because they plan this stuff so far in advance you know they have note card outlines going out to like 2026 or yeah, something i'm not sure that they knew that uh, so so clearly that it was so clear with Captain America. Renee, go ahead. You were going to say something. I was just going to say that I agree with that. I think that there was some odd structuring issues with the first movie. Like I, I loved it completely, but I think there was a lot of the setup and then that montage and then the conclusion, and it didn't really allow them to establish that relationship. And one of my favorite versions, because there have been many of Captain America, is when he, I think he's trying to stop the missile and the missile blows up and he falls into the ocean but Bucky is there with him till nearly the end and you see him seeing Bucky die and that's a very powerful 
visual at the end of his plummet into the ocean. And in the movie, it happens so early on. And then you have all the howling commandos and all the other characters in there. I think he does get lost amid all the characters in the first movie. In the Smith, in the Smithsonian, there is a, uh, uh, a howling commandos exhibit, which is funny because it is like, hey, it's the guys from that montage. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. To note, though, Sebastian Stan, who played Bucky, has been signed apparently for like nine pictures. So they clearly knew they were going to do something with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're going to kill Captain America at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think in that's the suit, that's pretty pretty likely. Um, because, spoilers yeah. for future movies. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, guys. Spoilers for future <laughs> movies. speculative spoilers. That's speculation, pure speculation. But you know, you know these comic books. Yeah, people dying in comic good. books, guys. and then they're not killed. Yeah, I want to I want to rewind a little bit though, because so we talked about uh, Captain America being this moral force in in a in a kind of a, a world with a lot of uh, grays and a lot of questions, and that's one of the nice things about uh, Robert Redford, who is uh, I think a, a lot of fun in this movie, playing the um, kind of grizzled uh, spy master who's actually like in, he's Nick Fury's boss. He's got like. He's on the the secretive World Security Council <laughs> thing, Alexander whatever, Pierce. which has been upgraded to full body body holograms from the Google Hangouts. That they I mean, had they in the have Avengers. technology is yeah. is improved a lot. No, and and but I like him because he he just radiates in that whole uh, early scene with with Captain America with Steve Rogers. This, uh, you know, we compromise and do what we must in order to keep america safe and he's he's laying it out it's like i exist in a moral gray area for america and captain america is like totally that is not captain america right he's not about moral gray areas but he is for america and i I love that i love that combination and i thought that was a really nice because we get you get some of that from nick fury but but i don't know robert redford was like the perfect person to have in that in that part and saying that stuff in the end, he's not the compromiser, really, right? Like, Nick <laughs> well, Fury ends up being the compromise, like, the guy in the middle who's, like, I'm trying to please to, you know, like, my both my moral sense as well as, like, the practical sense. You know, Robert Redford, yeah, it was funny because I really expected him to be that sort of politically gray figure. Guys, I operate in a gray area, but I'm going to usher in a fascist, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, one world government. Uh, Turns out, know, just uh, trust me on this one. My gray area is called Hydra. <laughs> I believe in a mixed free market economy, but with fascism over all of it. <laughs> Have you seen my drones? They're very big. <laughs> it's not the size of the drones that matter. I, I like I like this movie better when it was Three Days of the Condor Two, otherwise known as Four Days of the Condor. Sure. The Captain America, though, has always been most interesting when the values of America and America itself have diverged, and he's sort of the person around which all of that gets to play out. Right. Right. Whether he's running for movie. president or or are being you suggesting America or... is not the greatest country in the world, Renee? <laughs> Belgium has freedom, Dan. <laughs> Okay, yeah, call me when Captain Belgium's a movie. <laughs> I would watch that. I would totally watch that. There would be lots of waffles. <laughs> this is uh, outrageous. This is anti-American nonsense, and I won't stand for it. Anyway, uh, I wanted to mention, so we're talking about the the, the first movie, and although the, that's not our topic today, it is worth talking about it, too. One of the things that's in here that I'm really glad made it in, uh, even though it sort of doesn't have a lot to do with the plot of this movie, he goes and visits uh, Peggy Carter, his sort of girlfriend from the first movie and she's an old she's a very very old lady with a bad memory and they reminisce a little bit and then she forgets that he was there and uh but i love that because we never got that in the first movie in the first movie they say goodbye he crashes the plane he's frozen for a long time and then he wakes up and then we have the avengers and that's a very busy thing and he's got lots to do so that was great because we finally, you know, we, and, and with the other scenes like the, the where he writes down things that he needs to like the Marvin Gaye album or, or well, he has seen War Games. That was good. That was a relief. <laughs> um, apparently there's different uh, versions of that notepad depending on what country you see the movie in. Those certain things are universal, including Star Wars and Star exactly. Trek. Exactly. So I really like that they finally got to do some more man out of time stuff and they got to pay off him meeting, not meeting, but like being with Peggy Carter again. 
I, I loved that they did all of that because they could have just swept it by. And I think as a viewer of that, uh, somebody who really liked that first movie, I'm glad they went back to that and said, look, no, he is he is a man out of time. And then it pays off a little bit later with Arnim Zola, um, who's who's a 70s computer now. <laughs> but it's time. nice that they don't they don't overplay it. Like it could have turned into, you know, Sleepy Hollow or something yeah. like that. Right? Where it's rock like, and like roll. it could have turned into a gag and they use it. They deploy it perfectly in the sense that also keep in mind, this guy is incredibly smart and like a, you know, tactical and soldier whiz right he's going to figure out and adapt like that's kind of what he does he's not going to be like the bumbling uh you use automatic weapons right <laughs> like you know he's going to figure that out pretty quick and so it's, i like that they did the nice throwbacks where it's like he's writing stuff down in a notebook right rather right. than using he's got a, a smartphone, record player but he's never befuddled by technology right because right? that would be we'd all be really sad if captain america was just like wait which key do i hit i can never remember I my password the directors actually said they taught him modern combat styles for this movie because they wanted it to look like he'd done all his research and he had caught up with everything right. that happened. I was since. totally going to note that because if you watch his fighting style here as opposed to the Avengers and the original Captain America, he clearly knows martial arts in this movie, mm-hmm. which is again, I think a brilliant move because yeah, he is a he is a soldier. He is the soldier. He's not going to sit around and be like, I don't know, you guys have invented all these crazy martial arts and started using them. I mean, I just stick with punching people really hard cuz I feel like that kind of works. Hitler for on the chin. He he yeah. has he has nothing else to do. I mean, that's the other thing is mm-hmm. this is what he does, right? And that's that's actually I think one of the poignant things about his early scene with Robert Redford is, you know, the, the question is what else would you do? I mean, this is all you're not only are you a soldier through and through, but you're out of time. You, you know, if you quit, there's nothing. This is this is you. This is your entire identity, or or is it? I mean, that's the question. But so of course he learns all the cool stuff he can because that's what else he's got. That it's that and watching movies. His barbershop quartet is all dead. Yeah, mentioning that that's that's the scene that's in the trailer where, where uh, he jumps out of the uh, jumps out of the airplane. Um, I wanted to talk about the action scenes in this movie because I think it's really interesting. We, you know, we've done on incomparable. We did our Man of Steel episode. We, you know, we we did it was one of the quibbles about Iron Man three. I feel like I'm getting. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like I'm getting a little exhausted with the kind of scenes of gigantic urban disaster. Even in the Avengers, which I think handled it fairly well, it's still giant things blowing up buildings. And one of the things I liked about the the action in Winter Soldier is it felt more personal and more constrained, like claustrophobic. There's, there's a boat. Yeah. There's a boat. There's literally a scene in an elevator. Yeah. There's a boat raid. There's an elevator fight. There's a car chase. And there and even in the last the last scene that's got that super crazy like three helicarriers and crashing into buildings. In reality, it's a showdown between two men in an enclosed space. It's that's and that's the action. So I like. I thought they I did like a that. really great job with that, um, especially after some of the previous movies. It's like, you know, even you know, I like Iron Man, but it's like I feel like every action shot in Iron Man is like CGI Iron Man shooting missiles at. CGI, you know, other robot guy, right. right? And you need to be watching it at like 150 frames a second. But like it, 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 it's a lot more kinetic and it's a lot more exciting watching Captain America punch somebody or struggle with somebody. I mean, there were multiple knives get pulled, people are kicking each other. It's different than just like people like zapping each other and and shooting. It, it I, I liked. It's very physical. It's very yeah. visceral. Um, even that, yeah. just the first scene where he's running across the boat and he's just knocking people down. You know, it felt yeah. a little video game esque, but even that was still kind of exciting in a way where it's like I'm sure there's tons of cgi in all of those shots but they're not 100 percent cgi like many of the shots in iron man you get the sense with the boat raid that it's uh he's almost like challenging himself it's like how many people can i take out before the parachute guys get down here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i like the stuff with the shield every time somebody get hit with that shield i actually have oh, like yeah. a little bit of a oh wow that looked like it hurts <laughs> it was way more violent than i thought it was going to be like he was tearing through people on that boat and they were breaking like it was it was pretty crazy you thought you thought he was going to hug him no, but I mean, you know what I mean. Like the like, like you said with the thunk of that shield. They don't shield, just get bopped the, on the head and fall down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the thunk of get, that shield is like that. They get you taken know, out. breaking ribs and stuff. Yeah, it's brutal. The one thing I was going to note is, um, you know, and Guy's going to tell me to shut up in a second, but that was all very <laughs> Ultimates um, inspired. That's Mark Miller, Captain America, from jumping out the helicopter with no parachute yeah. to being the person of mass destruction, taking out the entire terrorist camp. But I think they they stopped themselves before they got into the worst of the Miller stuff. 
Let's pause for a moment for a word from our sponsor, Hydra. No, it's not Hydra. It's Squarespace, which is not operated by Hydra in any way, shape, or form. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use this amazing offer code, Snell sent me four. The Snell sent me all one word, and the number four for this special offer, 10% off. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. There are gorgeous templates for you to start with and plenty of options for you to adjust so you can really make it your own and it's not going to feel like everybody else's site. They've got drag-and-drop control, so it's super easy to add content from your desktop, rearrange elements on the screen, just very easy to build your own website. It looks great on mobile devices as well as on desktops. Every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. So if somebody is looking on a phone, they're going to see your site. It's still going to look great and not look like a little tiny desktop shrunken down website, which is good. You can connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more web and social services. And Squarespace, when I mentioned online store before, Squarespace has e-commerce on their platform now. So if you want to set up shop and sell stuff on the internet, you can, and it'll only take you a few minutes. It's that simple and easy to use. If you do need a little bit of help, Squarespace has got you covered. There are more than 70 Squarespace employees on the customer care team, which is based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week, and there's super fast email support throughout the day and night. As I said earlier, here's the deal. You try Squarespace for free, true free trial, no credit card necessary. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at $8 a month, includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. You get 10% off and support the incomparable by using the offer code SNELLSENTME4. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and the incomparable. I want to so let's talk about the the car chase. Uh, I thought it was a great car chase. There, this is you know I I thought for a second um, this movie is called Captain America and there's this huge car chase that's Nick Fury. It's like this suddenly the Nick Fury movie comes in, but it's I really enjoyed this too. This was a um, mainstream you know big budget superhero movie that manages to. Uh, make a exciting car chase through the streets of Cleveland posing as Washington DC, I think. Um, but I thought that was great too. And again, not, not giant superhuman, maybe CGI creatures throwing huge objects, but instead something where I understood the physics, I kind of understood the geography. And then it also had the sense of humor where Nick Fury's car is talking to him and telling him what's broken, but the air conditioning yeah. works. So. And that was nice because Nick Fury hasn't, I mean, he's obviously has a, a lot of presence, but he doesn't, hasn't gotten to do a lot in all of the movies where he's been in. Right. I mean, he, he's frequently Postures. shows up places and he, you know, sometimes he gives stern speeches, you know, pep talks and whatnot. But right. Doesn't he hasn't really gotten a, Lurks yeah, in the shadows. I mean, you know, <laughs> like the, the entire, <laughs> at the end of the Avengers, like he's not running around shooting guys as, as New York's falling down. Right? Yeah, in, in the just, Avengers, he pops out a of the door and is like, check it out. I got a rocket launcher, guys. I'm going to shoot this rocket launcher. And that's all I'm going to that's do. That's all I do. Now, right. I got I got a PowerPoint deck I got to work on. I got to get know. on the phone with these shadowy <laughs> yeah. figures and talk you know, about new A lot King of paperwork. I can see it coming. Yeah, so here he's yeah. doing, yeah, he's doing his thing and 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 the tension builds and and then unfortunately the trailer gives away that he's going to run into the Winter Soldier, but even then um, <laughs> Why didn't they just start with that? Why didn't he just shoot the thing that attaches to the bottom of the car, blow it up, see you later? He was a few blocks away. He just he wasn't ready yet. They had to be a car chase, Dan. Sure. No, sorry. I, I, why do I ask? There's a good. It was a good car chase. There's a there's a um a uh, flash drive that is doesn't work like any flash drive I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, it's a special. MacGuffin flash drive. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't my favorite thing. It runs on Shield OS, Jason. You wouldn't understand. You're right. It's true. They've got extra advanced technology there. Open source. And so, um, let's see what other what other big action set pieces are. There's the bunker in in New Jersey. Um, that I thought was pretty cool, where it's his old base, and we get the flashback to the first movie, um, and they go inside the bunker, and I liked that not only was there a picture of Peggy, but there was a picture of uh, Tommy Lee Jones, who was and in Howard the first Stark, movie. and uh, mm-hmm. yes, Howard Stark, and they talk about though young Howard Stark, confusingly, that was yes, no accident. Not old Howard Stark. Um, and then they go downstairs and uh, they meet uh, – it's like the hatch from Lost. <laughs> there's, there's 70s computers moving around and Arnim Zola has digitized himself, unfortunately digitized himself 
in the seventies. To tape. Yeah, great, great move. I am not uh, convinced that I am not convinced that he is gone. Oh no, and never to come back. He's digital. All. They backed him up. Yeah. He's yeah. on the cloud. I would so imagine he, that that was just like the version that they left down there, and that he's also yeah, floating around. The flash in the yeah. Am, am I the am I the only one on that's still watching Agents of Shield? I know. No. I know. Oh, no, I know. I'm lesser. No, I'm lesser for watching it. Is anybody no, else all, watching? No, it? it's got it's gotten better. It. I'm convinced Arnim Zola's the real clairvoyant. Yeah, that, that would makes, make a lot more sense. That would make a lot more sense. Right really now. Good. Like that payoff, that will totally work if we get that sometime in the next six episodes. And they could probably get Toby Jones to do that, or Toby Jones, who's who's yeah. Arnim Zola. Well, they, they yeah, yeah it made someone suggested that to me like on the way back from the movie, and I was like. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. It does It does kind of t- tick all the boxes on that and, one. And this movie makes me even happier that the guy playing Arnim Zola also played Karl Rove. So, <laughs> and he's the Dream Lord in Doctor Who. Um, so, oh, God, so, yes, he is. So um, let's talk about, because since I'm ticking off the... Uh, the the action scenes big the big action scene at the end you know there is a large scale aspect to it like iron man 3 right where it's suddenly oh lots of people are doing lots of things at once and there are big vehicles moving and lots of stuff is happening and yet i felt like it really they did a great job of having it make sense that they're sort of because they've got the lost they've got the three MacGuffins, right so they've got the three chips that have to go into the three things so they've got three different missions for that and so it there's some sort of clarity we see what you know we see what the falcon is doing and there's some really nice like if you got a falcon backpack you're way more maneuverable than a than a, a, a fighter jet and then in the end it's a it's a showdown between captain america and the winter soldier and it's meaningful and yes there are explosions happening all around but that showdown is really small and meaningful and a good fight scene too and and i really i really like that scene too that that even though we got the sense that this was a big stage the most important stuff and actually the stuff that's got the emotional resonance is happening in a small enclosed space where we can understand it yeah it's a death star bridge yeah can i ask Kind of yeah. guy wins of guy wins he got it <laughs> let, let me let, let me ask canadian you. education <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How come in like the 60 years that they've been like freezing and unfreezing the Winter Soldier, like nobody gave him a haircut? I'm just saying it seems like it gets in his eyes. He likes it. It's style. It makes him. It makes people scared of him. He doesn't even know how long his hair is. He wakes up every time and he's all groggy and everything. So the Hydra guys do it for him. They they really like it. They're they in 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 Hydra or Russia or where wherever he he uh, yeah they love that stuff. They think it's great. They think it makes him super spooky. Because I had a moment where, during the unmasking, I did hear someone behind me gasp. I could not tell if they were being ironic or not. I heard lots uh, of people gasping. I, okay, but I, it, I was, it was I was in I was in this like super early fan screening that like they did in a few different cities like three weeks ago, and even among the super fans, you know, in an audience with people dressed up, um, which doesn't generally happen for the promo screenings. Uh, there was there was a surprising number of gasps, but then there was also there was also like I, I heard an audible reaction that wasn't surprised, but it was it was the like they felt it hit them in the middle of the chest the way that it hit Steve the moment he recognized who it was, and that like that's what really paid off the most for me was they could have they didn't have to play it up as a secret for as long as they did. I think that the emotional beat worked way better than trying to play it as a big surprise. And it would be a surprise to some people, but sure. that's a lot less important than than it actually hitting hitting Steve between the it, eyes. It's interesting because I think the what I found fascinating, especially about the Marvel movies, is they've really, for the most part, tossed out the device of the secret identity. Um, you know, starting with Iron Man. The end of the movie is, I'm I am Iron Man. Iron Man. <laughs> like, they don't really take the time. Like, think about the Avengers. There's almost nobody in the Avengers whose identity is a secret in any way. Everybody knows who Steve Rogers is. Sam, you know, Sam knows who he is immediately, right? There's Everybody's seen them on TV at this point, you know, defending Manhattan and all of that. And, and I kind of like that we haven't played with it. So it's interesting to get a situation in which a plot, I mean, whether it be a plot point or an emotional point, is actively, like, who is this person? Um, it sort of turns the idea on its head a little bit from what we've seen so far in the Marvel continuity. That said, I was really just impressed anybody could recognize him with the really long hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I was noticing the flashbacks and being like, "Yeah, you got to really pay off." You got to, you got to, you got to get. Well, we talked uh, the same thing we were talking about earlier with uh, where Moises was saying like, "You got to bring up this relationship a little more and solidify it a little more for it to mean something to the audience as opposed to to Steve." 
Um, I felt like they had to put in those earlier scenes or else all the people who haven't seen Captain America in the like three years since it came out would be like, right. who's that? Who's What's that this? Guy? What's going I'm on? supposed to know who that guy is. Which, which, uh, which white guy with brown hair was he? Was he the one with the blowtorch? <laughs> or let's, I, do, with, let's shoot a version where Steve goes, hat? Bucky, no! <laughs> but then the Winter Soldier is Dum Dum Dugan. <laughs> That's right. I'm shocked. Ah, Neil McDonough needs work. He's going to tell you how great America is that they that we work all through the summertime and never they make take great vacation. Cadillacs. That's right. Uh, we should talk. We mentioned briefly the elevator scene. I thought the elevator scene was great, and in the trailer you see its aftermath, but you don't see the actual thing. And um, and and also early on in the movie. <laughs> there's a scene where they're riding down in the elevator and I'm thinking to myself, man, that's a really nice elevator. And I think, to, and I think to myself, why is this elevator here? And I think, well, they're showing us go into the ground to the sub basement to see the, that's why it's in there. And then he gets into the elevator for that fight scene where the guys keep, which is a really nice piece of work. Cause great it's like, choreography with them. Keep getting on. Yeah. And, like, and, and he's, he's sort of putting them. it all together. Yeah. That, you know, it's just really, really good. And then, and even there, Steve Rogers, right? He doesn't just start fighting them. He acknowledges what they're going to do and gives them an opportunity to get off the elevator. And then they fight. <laughs> it's just, it's. A, I thought it was a really well done scene, and I like the elevator setup too. It's like if you're going to build, you're going to have a bunch of good scenes in an elevator. Build a really awesome giant elevator with a great glass background, and they did that. I like that it was a real fight too. Like he wasn't, mm-hmm. he didn't just wipe the floor with them. Yeah, well, like I mean, they packed, they packed so many people. It was there, ten against actually, one I mean, or what? And they did have to tie one of his hands behind of his back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was good. Like it, it, I, you know, when I saw the setup, I thought it would just that that would be it, right? You'd see what we saw and the thing. Yeah, he, you know, he would just beat the crap out of them. But it actually it worked really well. Again, really visceral and like t- like super tight choreography. Uh-huh. I'd say that's the best fight scene in the movie. I mean, Could I be. like some of the stuff with with Captain America and Bucky. The like that that one fight that uh, Tony alluded to with the knives, where he keeps pulling knives out everywhere. I felt like, <laughs> but like, I mean, that's a really good fight. But it's like I felt this one. Knives there's something interesting thing. about the choreography and the constraint. I mean, it reminded me. I mean, for the for those of you who've seen the original Old Boy, the scene in the hallway, like it had sort of a similar feel in terms of like let's play with the you know the this space like let's Mm -hmm. experience what this space is gonna be like what happens if you have a fight in a physical location rather than just like sprawling all over the place my says just in the chat room (laughs) that would be really funny if like a uh somebody in the elevator when steve rogers says anybody want to get out is like i look i just need to get down to the fourth floor can (laughs) you please let me out please sweaty guy with like like a big tray of baked goods or something he's like i just i i i I, i'm the pizza delivery guy i just just birthday party on I swear. Like the guy in Iron Man 3. These guys are so weird. I hate working here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that guy. That guy I love that guy. guy that the, Dan, you're, uh, you're, you're right, though. This is, I think you make a really good point that the, um, you know, all these superheroes are like Iron Man's got his armor and he flies and he's got stuff that shoots and all that. And, and everybody's got their thing. And Captain America, you know, he fights good. He's a good fighting guy. And so that's what it should be is, is we should see him being a good fighting guy. And in the elevator... You, you know, you, well, and you really he's smart see. too. I think is he, the other well, part. Well, he is, like, that, but he's not like the point, flying or, or right, right. Or he's just a, energy blast. He's a good soldier. He's just a, yeah. And I think that the part of like the Avengers part, which really drills that home for me, is the part where you know when the team finally gets together and and Tony Stark is saying, "All right, you know, Captain America, you, you tell us what to do because you're the only person here who's really trained in any sort of like tactics right. or soldiering, right? Everybody else is like, you've got some assassins and stuff like that, but you don't have really anybody else who's used to working with a team, right? which is the one thing that Captain America has over all of them, which is that he worked with a team. Yeah, well, it's like what I was saying the other day, leadership is his kind of superpower. Mm. The yeah, fact that he can compel people to action. That's good. I like that. It's true, and then and that's that's always the challenge with him is that he he's the symbol, and he's a leader, and you know honestly that was that always made Shield kind of a weird fit, right? I mean, the first time he wakes up in the present day, he sort but of he's got a Shield, right? Jason, and it's Shield. Yeah, well, that's Come true. on, it's natural. That's true. He's inspired by him. That's synergy, Jason. <laughs> but but he, when he wakes up, they're faking the past, right? And so I, I felt like there's always this tension between him and Shield and Nick Fury uh, because he you know he he's got his he's got his standards and and he's a he's a leader but he's not the leader of this group and and uh, th- that was the natural tension that was there so having him be kind of a rebel and having to run away from shield uh worked really well right because then he's in charge yeah and that final scene uh 
Fury literally just tells him, like, looks like you're calling the shots now, Cap. Yeah. We're giving the orders, I guess. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. I like that nobody else, like, that was one of the interesting fallout things for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for me was that um, even though, you know, Fury acknowledges, like, all right, we got to, like, yeah, we got to get rid of everything, right? Nobody tells that to anybody at S.H.I.E.L.D., right. so they're all still, like, going, like, all right, we can kind of salvage this whole Hydra situation, right? Like, put a little spin on it. Yeah. Maybe we can just, yeah. Other than Maria Hill. Maria Hill clearly had her resume ready to go, right? She's like, I'm going to apply <laughs> to that job at Stark Industries now. In, in the movie, uh, Pepper Potts is way better adjusted than any of these idiots. Um <laughs> Am I imagining things, or was there not like a, a time lapse after the fall of Hydra at the Cheruskelion, uh in the movie? Where I, I think I think the yeah. series is catching up to where we end up at the end of the movie. Yeah, I yeah, think, I think you're, you're right. right. I think you're right. Yeah. There's a sort of a dissolve of like here's picking up the pieces. A few and... months later, I am Black Widow Manning, and I am here to WikiLeak Congress. <laughs> Right, that's right, because she, she says, I'm here to not tell you anything, so suck it, Congress! Something I really appreciate about that mechanic is that I did not, throughout this movie, like, question, where are the other Avengers? Why is, you know, why isn't Captain America, like, calling for help? Because because he is cut off, right? He's cut off from S.H.I.E.L.D., he doesn't know yeah. who he can trust. Whereas, like, basically, like, the second half of Iron Man 3, I'm mm-hmm. like, why doesn't, you know, like, he knows these guys who are really good at stuff, maybe he should, like... Call them. Pick up a phone and call them. And they're, it's like, you know, I'm willing, I'm willing to believe that Captain America, A, feels he cannot trust anyone, and B, probably doesn't have an address book, right? You know, he doesn't have a smartphone <laughs> with their number. Yeah, and, and Iron Man... He lost it. It yeah. was on that flash Stark, drive. Stark thinks he can just handle it himself. But like, you know, like when he doesn't have his suit and he's like walking through the snow, it's like, you know what? That's when you call Thor. You call Thor, exactly <laughs> right. No, I, I felt that this also would happen so fast, right? It's like, yes. this is all happening fast. He's in Washington. It's all cut off. He doesn't know who to trust and, and it just happens too fast for them. I I, I've talked to some people who've seen it who are like, just having the Avengers hang over them is always an issue. I'm like, I don't know. I never I never felt that like I did in Iron Man 3, that he he really needed to call Tony Stark for help. Mm-hmm. And I get Tony, Tony Stark's a, a jerk. He's not going to, you know. No. He's, don't he's call not going to call Stark. for help. You get his like, voicemail like if you called him. Whereas like Captain America is on the run from the only thing that he knows in the world, right? right. Is, is Shield, and he's he's now completely cut off. He's cut off from time. He's cut off from the one job he's ever had, and you know he, he doesn't have access to to the Avengers anymore. Uh, of the other Avengers that he would contact, I mean, Stark is the one who, right at the beginning, Fury's like, "Yeah, Stark improved all of our engines and guns, and now they are super killy." And yeah. they can kill a million fellows in 12 seconds. I wouldn't call Bruce Banner either. Like, that just... <laughs> that you know might what be we really need is a giant response. rage monster in the yeah, middle that'll of solve all a lot more problems. And the long-distance of... charges to Asgard are just, you know, they're through the roof. You know, on a, on, on a veteran salary, that's, you know... <laughs> I did find it was a little odd, though, that, for example, S.H.I.E.L.D. wouldn't call in Iron Patriot, because that's just a CGI insert. Or, you know, Hawkeye, my, my 10-year-old godson saw it with me, and his first question was, where's Hawkeye? Because he'd been, well, he he's also who knows if he was Hydra. So here's here's what I what I was thinking about both of those is that if they had wanted to do it, what they should have done is had like Iron Patriot is off somewhere. He's they've conspired to make him off the off yeah. the grid somewhere. For Hawkeye, Phil Michaels and I were talking about this because he was complaining about the Avengers not being in it, and and I said I imagine Hawkeye like getting off a boat on a tropical island for his first real vacation in a long time. And as he steps off the boat onto the shore, there's a thing that says you need to get back. Something's happening. He's like, oh, man. And that's it, because it's going to take him another 12 hours or 15 hours to get back. See, I imagine more mundane. He's like in his apartment and he's like building an Ikea couch and he's like stuck it in. Bro, <laughs> Hawkeye too busy, bro. He busy dealing yeah. with us, bro. Okay, yeah. can I be yeah. honest, bro? That's what he's trying to hook up his DVR. It's very complicated. He's still eating shawarma. He just can't leave the place. Yeah, I cannot see Jeremy Renner as not the Mar- the comics version of Rock Guy anymore. <laughs> it's really kind of. Uh, but I want that movie so bad. <laughs> Time for a quick break to tell you about ourselves. Visit TheIncomparable.com to get much more. We have a couple other podcasts. There are more on the way. Our D&D podcast is Total Party Kill. We've got our new TV podcast with rapid reactions to things that are on TV. Here's what you're missing. He's so comedically gifted. He's so intelligent that, you know, you can't contain his mind in like a little box where he's, you know, he came up. Where he's Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and he came up with uh, with this character at a time when that was still a big thing. Uh, he made it something far bigger and better than I ever thought it would, was going to be. 
Uh, Theon is still getting tortured in his torture castle. Right, right, at the Dreadfort, which we saw. Yeah. A, uh, it's in the opening credits with a little flayed man and everything, That's but the, we didn't actually go there. I'm so happy to see that in the opening credits, because I love the name, the Dreadfort. Yeah. No, they, it's, oh, there's and, a lot of serious marketing for those guys. They're like, hey, we flay people, did you know? Yeah, and uh, Dragonstone is in the opening credits, so we could have right. seen Stannis and his nonsense. Sander. Is closing the door a standard action or a minor action? Oh, it's a minor action. Unless you want to, like, uh, well, somehow lock it. Uh, I wouldn't know how, but I'm going... All right, so I'm going to show... I'm an ama- amazingly powerful warlock. Uh, locks? Locks door are locks? confusing. Um, Anna, right, the, um, lo- the word lock is literally in, in your, your job name. <laughs> you are a war lock. I make war on the We're locks. in a I war. We need a lock. <laughs> She's not a lock lock. All right. Please. <laughs> So visit theincomparable.com to learn more or go to iTunes and search for Incomparable Master Feed for a master podcast feed with all of our shows in it. So uh, let's talk about characters who are in this movie because obviously even though it's Captain America and we have the Winter Soldier, we have um, some other characters. We mentioned uh, the Black Widow. So there's your there's your Avengers tie-in right now. And I thought, I thought uh, that was a really great use of the character, that she is really the... Uh, the number two character in this movie. And uh, I like how she's got a really, I like that relationship she's got with Captain America, where it's not a, you know, there's sexual tension, you know, what's going to happen. It's like, she is a pro. He is a pro. They are coworkers. And she's kind of got, you know, she's looking out for him. And I'm trying to fix him up with people. Yeah. 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 But I thought she was, I mean, I thought that was just a good elaboration on, on Scarlett Johansson's character that, that from the Avengers and, and from, yeah, well, let's not talk about her and Iron Man too. Cause that wasn't so good, but I, I liked, I liked her. I felt this movie made her even more well-rounded. I thought that was a good, a good use of Black Widow. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the, it's nice to have her not be there just to be a love interest. Right. Like, right. And they've, they've, they definitely gave her, her own stuff and or a cameo. Right. 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 I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you that they have more, they have more of a coworker sibling type relationship than yeah. anything else here. And I, it, it works because it's, you know, especially when we get to the point where he needs somebody he can trust, um, you know, and even that, even then I like spent like, you know, part of the movie wondering like, oh man, they're not just going to have her flip on him at the end. Right. Like that that's would be really, does. really that's, sad. That's her. Right. She's self. an, she, I mean, she's an assassin. <laughs> yeah. But she's got a heart of gold, Dan. It turns <laughs> she's out. She's the only major she should you know, get female lead superhero yeah. character Marvel has at the moment. Yeah. 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 So I, and I'm glad that I'm glad they put her to use that. I think it balanced, balanced the movie out nicely to have her working with Captain America. Um, Let's talk about the Falcon. I thought the Falcon was great. Yeah, I really like him. Anthony Mackie is a fantastic actor. Yeah, and, and we we see that relationship from the beginning. I liked how they I like how they visualize the Falcon with his backpack with the with the jet wings and stuff. Like the way he moved didn't feel like super fakey fakey CGI. It felt like well, we got a backpack with the jets on it. I guess I would have liked to see more interact. Like I felt like they were setting up for him to be more of a person, and then we didn't really get as much of a payoff. And it's hard because they're kind of trying to pair Captain America with Black Widow as kind of you know buddy coworker, and then Falcon's there. And so it's it's a little crowded. Well, they get a lot right? of it. They get a lot of it up front, though, right? Because they're the ve- they're the veterans, and this so they get a lot of that up. You know, he's he's on your left, right? For a really funny yeah. scene at the yeah. very beginning where he's passing him over and over again while they're running around the reflecting mm-hmm. pool, and then he visits him at the VA, and that, that, mm-hmm. so I felt like they 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 did that groundwork early. So when the time comes, I found that a little tricky to to one thing I kind of struggle with a little bit is like. I mean, theoretically, he has this work at the VA. That seems important. But, like, Captain America is like, I need your help to take down the government now. And he's like, <laughs> I'm free. I don't have a job. I don't have a family. I don't have – I don't even have a I hobby. I mean, it's kind that, of like, a I bigger deal. Everybody <laughs> yeah, knows just... – everybody know, he knows is in S.H.I.E.L.D. And yeah. then there's this guy who – you know, I just get the sense that he doesn't have that many friends. And this guy he trusts yeah, because figured, they're know, soldiers and they kind of bonded. They're jogging they're, buddies. He went. He's lo- looking out to him, and he has. He literally has nowhere else to turn. Plus, he's okay. going to be the Falcon. When Captain America calls you to serve, you serve. I just. You might need to make a call first, right? No. I was explaining to my wife afterward how awesome it is. She's like, "So the Falcon? Did they work together in the comics?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" In the 70s, 
they like made they like made the comic Captain America and the Falcon. It was the and it was and it was also Marvel's. His costume was a little different. Yeah, and he had a was. magic tiara. It was, but the idea that they they also did that that was when Marvel was realizing that all their superheroes were yeah. white, and they're like, you know, we need to do something about this. And so to take that classic pairing and uh, and put it in the movie, and I, I I thought it was really fun, and I thought I thought he worked, and of course at the end they like blow up his backpack, and he's like, well, I'm grounded. <laughs> Sorry. The origin they gave for the Falcon, I think, was a great shorthand, almost as good as you know just casting Downey Jr. as Iron Man. The origin they gave to the Falcon just let you put him right into all the action. Yeah, well, it was, it was a great. I noticed too. I wasn't thinking about it, but when when they he said, you know, my my buddy got shot down and all that, I was like, you know, they're not really mentioning the plane; they're just implying flight, and that was a really great. I, I like that a lot. Where he's like, I never said a plane, <laughs> they, and and that it's a uh, you know he is this is what he did in the military, so it's not and a. They let him bring it home, and so his origin story. Well, no, right? They had to steal it. Yeah. They they right. they didn't Sorry, let him bring it home, but that was his origin story. Is I was a soldier. They taught me how to fly this crazy contraption, and. And I f- and I flew it. Well, <laughs> and it also explains it. why you know, as good as it would be to have just like another soldier on your side, you know, in order to keep up with Captain America, you do need a certain like you need to be like an elite soldier, right? Right. I, I did like the fight between the Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier because he yeah. basically just gets his ass kicked like brutally. Like he holds his own a little bit, but it's it's over the top. No, I like when the, taken out. I like when the Winter Soldier just steals his steering wheel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is. You know, that is. <laughs> Right, so yeah, there's that that second that second car chase that's really good, and the, and there's the um that that kind of overpass urban combat kind of kind. I like of scene. that the Winter Soldier has a bunch of guys who basically just provide covering fire and then hand their guns to the Winter Soldier. That's yeah. I like that. <laughs> those guys, Tony, those are like the background singers of of weaponry. Yeah, <laughs> they're like there to provide uh, you know a little a little flair and then showcase the main star right like winter, the winter soldier doesn't carry his own guns he carries his own knives but guns yeah. that's you know he's he, got henchmen he's got that. people for that yeah he takes yeah. them where where he uh you know yeah. where he can get them that's all he's like that he's just superstitious like that what about nick fury how uh we have more to say about uh <laughs> anybody about surprised that he fury? wasn't actually dead <laughs> I kept waiting for the little tell that was going to make me realize he wasn't actually dead. And when it didn't, when I didn't get one, I was like, well, maybe, you know, Sam Jackson has been a lot of movies. Maybe this is what they're. Nope. It's a comic book. Can't kill anybody. Yeah. I thought maybe uh, uh, it was going to be like an LMD in uh, Cap's apartment. Yeah. I did think about the life model decoy thing as well, but I wasn't sure. They they took him into surgery. It's too obscure. (laughs) Especially at this point with what they've done with Coulson. It's like, no, no one has ever dead. No. Ever. Yeah. Never, I like that there was a there was a a hint between again the Agents of Shield and the movie with the thing that Samuel Jackson uses like cut his way out of the car yeah. I think the, what they call it mouse yeah. hole they call it the mouse hole in the in the yeah. Agents of yeah. Shield episode and, I and like f- that and Fury um really nice scene where where Cap finds him in the apartment and he's like in the shadows and he's hiding and then he gets shot and all of that but that that's a nice I like that because that is that is your seventies spy movie scene too right right just like. I brought you this information, and you know, don't trust, don't anyone. trust anybody. <laughs> and then he dies, right? It's like I, I jumped. Right. I did not see that coming. Yeah, yeah. The sh- it was kind of brutal because it's like right in the middle of a sentence almost. Yeah, it's also when you when you're in Cap's apartment, you feel probably safe, but no. guess not. That that record player is not going to protect. I did you. like the thing with the whole like uh, you know that everything's bugged. Yeah. Um, and then right. and then Pierce tries to play that like off by pointing out that you know it was Fury that bugged it, which <laughs> yeah, I assumed was true. <laughs> sure. Again, I, I got to I got to comment on the Robert Redford casting because he's one of the few people that you could believe would be able to give Nick Fury orders and be able to yeah. tell Sam Jackson what to do, and he would he would do it. You know, they had yeah. a good dynamic too. I yeah. like the fact I like that whole story about Bogota about you know Fury going in despite like against orders and that's how he gets promoted to director basically right. i mean it's interesting because it has that whole double-sided thing where it's like yeah he proved his worth and at the same time it's like kind of using him as a puppet <laughs> you know the casting of redford i mean just first off he brings gravitas man. he brings the gravitas oh, yeah. he's great shorthand i mean because everybody you know recognizes him and he did a great job he he did not i was actually a little afraid that it was going to be one of those things it was like well, he wasn't know, sleepwalking it's kind of embarrassing robert redford was in a marvel comics movie late in his career and we don't really speak of it and it's like you know he's really great i yeah, felt really, I felt really bad that in. he dies at the end because i thought he was really great he makes he makes the shooting of that housekeeper totally brutal 
Yes. Yeah. Just, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like well, I that, wondered about that. Like, oh, they were, are God. they going to put him in a gray area? And then right up till that point, you're like, nope, he's a bad guy. <laughs> like, you had to do it because he's too sympathetic. When the, when the housekeeper had those like off camera lines of like she's gonna get killed, yeah. and I was like the Winter Soldier is gonna kill kill her, and then Robert Redford's gonna be angry, and it's like now we have to like you know cover up this, and it's like no well, Robert Redford that was Robert Redford kills rug. his own housekeeper, yeah. Bucky. <laughs> There's that knife's edge moment where he walks in and sees the Winter Soldier, and you're sitting there with the like the that brief moment where it's oh, like no. all right, is the guy there to kill him or is he a bad guy? Yeah, and for me, I was like, I was kind of teetering because I didn't want him to be a bad guy. You know, I wanted because it's Robert Redford. Dan yeah. never trusts a three piece suit. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, there's nobody to clean up after the uh, dead body of the cleaning lady. <laughs> he hires a new cleaner. That's their first. Same job. guys that carry all of Winter Soldier's guns to just take yeah. care of that. They kind of they mop it up, and it's yeah. fine. Got mandroids for that. We got Agent Thirteen. Got a little yeah. bit of her. She was great. Sharon Carter. Yeah, they have her have her across. The, so, so in the comics, at least, and and that's, this is the implication: is she's the niece of Peggy Carter, right? And uh, and uh, speaking of having listening devices in the in the apartment, they also planted a shield agent across the hall as the girl next door. So, uh, I think we'll be seeing her again. Emily Van Camp, who is I think currently on Revenge, yeah, um, but has done. I'd, I used to, she was on uh, Everwood. She was great on that show. I still always think of her as Amy Abbott. But yeah, she's great in this too. And she she does have that girl next door quality. And then I really like it when she's in. The, they have that moment with it's the scene of cameos where Danny Pudi from Community and who else is in there? God, there, there's there's a bunch of people who you recognize who you you kind of get the feeling we're like, can I be in a Marvel movie? Like, and it's like, yeah, we got one day we're going to shoot this scene in the control room and you can all be in it. But uh, but she's in there and that's great because it's the uh, the people at S.H.I.E.L.D. standing up and saying, you know, we're going to fight back against Hydra. And, and she gets a little heroism. That's the most confusing thing. Is like, that is, everyone's yeah. pointing guns at each other and you're like, who is on whose side? <laughs> we don't know. Nobody yeah, it is a little unclear. How do the Hydra people know who else is Hydra? Secret they had secret handshakes. handshakes. Yeah, come handshakes. on. Come on, Tony. Well, do, what, did they? Does everyone shake hands every day? I know yeah, I hate day. secret handshakes, but you know. Hide your lapel pins for everybody. They all have the little. Nobody looked at the lapel pins. Actually, what that. you do is you just shout "Hail Hydra," and they're like, "That one, that was a good well, one." Well, I like the scene in Agents of Shield where he's like, "I know some of you are Hydra, so like shoot the other." <laughs> I, guys. I know Sitwell <laughs> trained some of you guys. Yeah, so just like do this now, and like hopefully. You know, I mean, at least there'll be one Hydra guy left, even if Hydra guys shoot each other, right? It's like that works, but it seemed like it seemed like everyone in that control room knew who was on the other team somehow. I, I have to, I have to, I have to brag. My my college roommate, uh, the the guy as they're you know quote unquote bringing Coulson in as a prisoner, the guy who's like, oh, they're bringing Coulson in right here. That that was my college roommate, and he get, he gets decked by Bill Paxton. And that is officially the coolest thing that a friend nice. of mine has gotten to do in a Marvel movie or TV show. I'm going to argue that this is the best Stan Lee cameo ever. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was by far well deployed. Which is which is that uh, I'm I'm so going to get fired because Captain America steals his old outfit. I thought I like was the, really I like the symbolism of stealing the outfit. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, also, if you look um, in the first scene in the Smithsonian. Joss Whedon is coming down the escalator. Yep. Yeah, so I saw. Yeah, I when I saw that, I wearing a over, Captain like, America T-shirt. Yeah, because he's kind. Of, it's kind of fuzzy. You can't quite tell, but I was pretty sure it was. It's him. totally Joss Whedon. It's got to be. Um, and it was nice that Abed from Community Works at Shield. Just, Although it yeah, wasn't a person, I did like the callback on Samuel Jackson's Tombstone quite a lot. Oh, oh yeah, the, it's yeah, Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Yeah, right from Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Well, and uh, I, I, I'm glad it was that and not a, a quote from like uh, the prequels. <laughs> I, I I really liked that uh, that one of the two I guess attending scientists to the Winter Soldier was Ed Brubaker, the creator of the character and the writer of the whole Winter Story uh, Winter Soldier storyline from the comics. I think one of the other ones was the screenwriter for the movie too. Yeah, they yeah. shoehorned everybody in there. Like, all right, everybody gets a role today. Everybody's working. Here's a white coat. Yeah, well, Marvel they they do that. They, Joe Straczynski, who who I think did some polish on the Thor screenplay and wrote several issues of Thor, is the farmer who finds the hammer in right right in Thor. So you know they they like to drop in their their writers and other other people. It was nice that Brubaker got in there because I mean this is this is the fastest turnaround from a bit of intellectual property made in a Marvel comic to being on the screen because Winter Soldier that story was what five years ago maybe. Moises? It, yeah. It, like, the turnaround on it was super, super fast. And I was at San Diego the year that they announced this. 
and I was standing in Hall H and I was tweeting at Ed Brubaker and he was like, this is news to me, but this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like he had no idea yeah. whatsoever. And it like it took him completely aback. That's great. It's awesome. Uh, speaking of other characters, I thought it was nice that Maria Hill got some stuff to do. Yeah. Colby yeah. Smulders. Good for her. Because she's unemployed now. Yeah, it would actually be great right. if they if they if they had her at least recur on Agents of Shield next season now that she's sprung from how I met your mother. I just really like that scene in the van when like you know, when they've got them all locked up at the and she shoots the other or stuns the other guys in yeah. the in the back of the truck. Um it was nice to have her like do something. Also the scene I thought that was the, the best with her was when she's in the control room, she's sort of running everything and she sees the two guys coming in, she just sort of rolls back in her chair and she's like bam, bam, all right, yeah. back to work. Yeah, she's totally being a badass and she knows what to do. She's I mean, that's why Fury relies on her. Uh and so it was nice to see her do that. I mean, this comes back to this being a shield movie as much as it is a Captain America movie, right? right? What else uh what what else haven't we talked about? I mean I wanted to mention just that this feels more than a lot of these other Marvel movies. This feels like I think this is almost like a a, a new kind of genre because this is an installment in an ongoing storyline, and it oh, feels yeah. like it. And I, not in a bad way, but it's like this movie is enhanced by the fact that you have this whole supporting cast who we've seen before and we know we're going to see again. The whole Shield stuff, and uh, but it's kind of funny, right? I mean, it doesn't. Captain America was a movie that had a tag that tied it into the Avengers. Captain America the Winter Soldier is a movie about all of the stuff that happens with these people after the Avengers is over. It's just a really different kind of feeling. Well, you know, it makes me wonder given the ending like and with them like, all right, we're off to like deal with some of the, you know, sweep up sort of the what's left. <laughs> like how they're going to pull Cap back in for the second Avengers movie where you're like, all right, yeah, we know where you're Busy sort of cleaning up the mess that Shield left, but we got this other thing we really need you to deal with. No, I didn't call you for the Mandarin, but I kind of need your help for Ultra. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting spread where Fury is headed to Eastern Europe. Um, they uh, you know, there's there's something uh, said in the Shield show about like the uh, like African uh, strongholds, and we know that Avengers Two is shooting partially in Africa and in loads of other places all over the world. Um, the only movie we've got in between now and Avengers two is guardians of the galaxy and kind of out there. So, yeah, you know, a ways out there. Yeah. One might say, um, well, no, and the, and the, and the mid credit sequence is directed by Joss Whedon and is, is with the characters, including the the Baron and, and Baron von Stroker and and, and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver who are going to be in, Avengers 2. So, you know, that is, the, you know, that's the setup for Avengers 2, clearly. Well, followed by the post post credit scene, which is a setup clearly for the next Captain America movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just to keep it going entirely. Yeah. Sure. You know, anybody else, anybody else uh, feel like they, they would have preferred they switch the order of those? Yes. They, just, the, yeah. yeah the, it seems like what made more sense. It didn't. Yeah. They wanted right. the Avengers lead in for the people who were going to leave, basically. But, but you want to close the book on that story and then have the little thing at the end. And yeah, instead, I agree. they flipped them out for for marketing, right? I mean, it really was sure. like Avengers is coming. <sighs> I guess he did. Well, at least at least it's not Clark Gregg saying, "Sir, we found it." Close up of a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, no, they, they've gotten <laughs> more elaborate with their their credit sequences now. Did anyone else laugh about the part where Nick Fury has to like take his eye patch off for the retinal scan? <sighs> Because I was like, wait, okay, so explain the <laughs> explain the logistics of this to me. He scanned his own other eye in, and they just like didn't catch that one. That wasn't there's like, some identity management <laughs> database. You yeah, know, that's his back door. They need to, they need to well, rehire. Some identity well, it's like when he had the file that he couldn't open that was locked by him. And you know, I think the I think like, the answer is just say it's, just it's say his heart, retinal key heart, under the mat. Heartbleed, guys. It's, com- it's, it's all computers. the heartbleed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fancy computers are just mostly heartbleed. Actually, that was the moment. There was a moment early on in this movie where I was like, really, are we going to do this stupid computer hacking stuff? It's like, come on, can there be a better MacGuffin than the computer hacking? Just waiting for Fury to say, "This is a Unix system." I know. I'm in <laughs> Apple Store, Jason. It was all the Apple Store's fault. That Apple Store scene is kind of hilarious, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should talk about the Apple product placement before we go, because so it's it's like, hey, we're in a we're in an Apple Store. They can find us in seven minutes from this Apple Store. First off, it's a flash drive. Couldn't you like 
turn off your networking and see what's on it first? Guys, oh, it's no. like the NSA. Come on. Yeah, shield, uh, Shield's all in the cloud. This is actually a crippling uh, problem. It's a commentary, really, about how we've become completely dependent on the cloud. And, uh, and if the cloud is run by Hydra, it's very bad. Although it did provide that interesting, you know, scene where they have to make out to avoid being detected, and I do, I did love the, you know, uh, the Black Widow making fun of him for yeah. being like the Is that only your first boy kiss since nineteen forties. Maybe Steve Rogers, such a schmuck. In a, in another relationship, that would be a, um, you know, oh well, look at their chemistry, and in this one, it's about embarrassing Steve. That's what yep. it's about. Hilarious. Yeah. So before we go, I want to just do the uh, official uh, how do we feel overall? Did we enjoy it? Did we like it? But it's just because we haven't done that yet. Dan, did you like this movie? Yeah, I was a big fan of it. I really enjoyed it. It was funny. Um, it was great action. And I thought in some ways it held up better than the first one. As much as I love the first one, the big problem with the first one was always for me the ending, which felt like it was like, let's just leave this set up. And this one kind of does that. But since we've had that sort of like precedent already i feel like it works for me like now there's like it's like a continuing serial kind of thing so i liked it a lot i was a big fan all right moises what's your verdict uh, i love it it's uh it definitely at the very least one of my top three favorite of the marvel movies so far uh if not maybe maybe one of the top two for me it just it plays great it plays great on its own it plays great as part of this big overall serialized story that they're telling but it doesn't have the pitfalls of iron man 2 where it is shackled to and now we will introduce puzzle piece seven right yep tony what's your verdict i loved it um i mean i think captain america is great and i I really like him more than some of the other avengers um uh, this may be uh my favorite you know of right below avengers um you know just waiting on that hawkeye movie any day now yeah sure anytime guy what do you think so i'm not a cap fan really because the character just seems kind of canadian yeah. <laughs> well, he's like Superman, right? He's problematic to write for. I'm yeah. with you. I think he's a problematic character in the comics that, that they, they struggle sometimes to figure out what the heck to do with him. Yeah, but I'm a Chris, Chris Evans, Evans cap fan. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Yeah. I, the, the first movie really surprised me how much I liked it. Remember when uh, he was the Human Torch? Right. That was bad when he was the Human Torch, but he's yeah, great. He's, he's a good character. Right? Yeah, he's, he's totally believable. And one thing we didn't touch on was when he get when they break into the uh the Triskelion and he gives the speech to the uh the loudspeakers. Oh yeah. Uh, that is that's like the most cap thing he can do, right? It's just yeah, like, yeah. look, I'm going down fighting if you guys want to do the right thing. And I know He's I'm, a symbol. He's going to inspire you. Yeah, and it totally worked cuz I I loved it. I He totally did write that down. Very happily surprised. And I, and I think this may even be the best sequel that i can think of in 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 the marvel universe i didn't like iron man 2 or 3 as much as the first oh. one but this is as strong if not stronger than the original uh yeah uh, Cap- captain america movie renee what do you think i also i liked it a lot better than the first one i do like captain america in the comics but i had the good fortune of cherry picking the captain america stuff that i read and it was always when it was captain america you know standing up for what was right and what was decent and with really great you know, setups like things like the Winter Soldier and the death of Captain America and Civil War and stuff. And I think the the movies have really distilled out that best part of them. And I I I liked them in the Ultimates too. I think there was really interesting things about it. And I think this is probably my favorite version of Captain America ever. Yeah, and I I was surprised. I was a little worried that this was going to be the Marvel um, Cinematic Universe equivalent of Spider Man Three, where there's just too many <laughs> characters, too many villains, too much stuff going on, too much setup. You know, too much franchise disease. Dancing. And it wasn't. It was fun. The 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 action was good and constrained and not, you know, urban disaster porn, which is nice. Uh, and and they used Captain America effectively. Chris Evans is really good. The supporting cast is good. So I, I was really surprised. I was kind of not sure what I was going to get out of this. And it, yeah, I think it is among the best of the Marvel cinematic movies it helps when you're bought into the series because then you get the continuity with all the characters from shield and stuff like that but you know it was it was a lot of fun the action was good and it was and at no point other than some of the computer stuff where i was like come on other than that i just i enjoyed the whole thing i thought it was really way better than it ever had a right to be and was when we said that about the avengers too sort of but um 
and genuinely just fun. I, I just thought it was really fun, and I was surprised because that's not what I expected. I expected it to be kind of leaden and jam-packed with junk. And uh, everybody got their moments, and everybody was used correctly. It was uh, kind of brilliant. Characters are so good, I don't mind the story quibbles that I would otherwise have. You know, it's funny, Renee. You make you make that point about uh, about the characters. I mean, that's one of the great advantages of this Marvel movie series is that you get to see these characters evolve like a TV series. You get to spend more time with them that a standalone movie would let you do, and uh, it works. I mean, that's one of the great advantages of this. And having Joss Whedon kind of involved now, and as well as all the people behind the scenes at Marvel, I mean, they're applying like the lessons learned from great TV shows to what they do with these movies, and it and it helps because it adds to that richness in a way. That that a standalone movie just can't can't do it. All right, well, I think we've uh, successfully our, our 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 panel with two Canadians on it has successfully endorsed Captain America USA USA. <laughs> Hail Hydra! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> when at the end, guy reveals that he's actually a Hydra spy. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. Like uh, liked it a lot. We onward to Guardians of the Galaxy. I guess that looks crazy. Woo. Awesome. Yeah, that'd awesome. be cool. Bradley Cooper is a raccoon. Rocket raccoon. He's not an actual Machine raccoon. Machine guns. Yeah. Andy Dwyer is a uh, superhero. Yeah, that's not his actual name. I <laughs> know. not the actual <laughs> character from Chris Pratt. Pratt yeah. But come on. Yeah. It, 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 he basically looks like Andy Dwyer. And uh, Karen Gillan from Doctor Who shaves her head to be... Uh, and Vin Diesel as yeah. a Groot. The illegitimate daughter of Thanos. Yeah, indeed. We got all that to look forward to, but for now, we're going to say goodbye for this uh, edition of the Com- Incomparable Superhero Movie Club, something like that. So I'd like to thank my guests for being here. Dan Morin, thank you, as always, for being present. It was a pleasure to be here. Hail, Shield? Sure. Why not? Moises Chuyan, thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. Everybody listen to Giant Size. We're going to do a Captain America episode soon. Right, ESN.FM for Moises. ESN.FM. Yeah, I do a bunch of podcasty stuff. Yeah, there. you should go. Tony Sindelar, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jason. You and the captain, make it happen. <laughs> oh, nice. That was really good. You win. I take it back. Guy doesn't win. You win. Renee Ritchie, thank you for being here. Excelsior, Jason. Excelsior. Mm, bravo. And uh, that leaves me with Guy English, our traitor. <laughs> <laughs> Guy English, tell me, how, how does it feel to be a You're tra- Canadian. Your name is English. How do you think you can judge Captain America? <laughs> I don't know. You know, we burnt the White House down at one point. So. <laughs> you know, it Whoa, was, too, that a threat? too soon. I'm too starting soon. to think that that guy who didn't like you on this podcast was on to something. I, yeah, I know. I'm just proving him right. Just proving him right. Thank you, Guy English. Thank you, everybody. And uh, you. we'll see you next time on The Incomparable. So, Guy English, now that you have been revealed as a Hydra traitor, what do you have to say for yourself? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Canadian Hydra is so lame. It's Canadian Hydra. Feels really, really bad about killing millions of people. <laughs>